0: Listener warning. On this episode, we deal with subjects related to child abuse and trafficking, and though we are not a true crime podcast and did not want to get into the graphic detail of some of these horrific crimes, and rather focus on the story surrounding the life and career of the subject, in order to do that, we had to touch on these topics in a few places. Listener discretion is advised. And before we start the episode, we'd like to acknowledge and apologize for content in episode two. During this section about the Onision case, in our attempt to clearly establish a timeline of the events, as well as make clear the type of abuse perpetrated by Onision and the perceived target of that abuse, we inadvertently used deadnaming language towards a trans person. This was not our intention, and we plan to be much more careful and responsible with this language moving forward i'm dave baker and i'm andrew price and
1: i'm chris hansen and welcome to deep cuts the podcast where we pick a topic and walk you through the ins outs and the nitty-gritty so that you can appear like an interesting and idiosyncratic person at your next forced social function
2: today's topic is chris
0: hansen part three
2: who is chris hansen He's an award-winning journalist with a storied career that dates back decades and involves many impressive feats of investigative reporting. Previously on Deep Cuts, we've chronicled how Chris Hansen has gone from beloved media icon to YouTube pseudo-con man. This once-respected journalist found himself over a million dollars in debt, scanning people for nickels and dimes for new content that never materialized, and then becoming transfixed by the story of YouTuber and accused child predator Onision. In this final installment, we show you the depths of darkness that Chris Hansen has waded into, and definitively prove that even someone who has helped arrest 300 child predators can become a villain.
1: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Have a Seat with Chris Hansen. The numbers are staggering for COVID-19. Across the country, there are 150,000 cases, 3,800 deaths. But this whole thing just screamed like fraud and scam. And the fact that, you know, Chris Hansen was willing to promote it on his stream made it all the more comical. It's actually, our medical director for a firm that has technology that's called Nano Vapor biotech. Tell me what that is. How does it apply to this pandemic? There is a lot being said on social media about some sort of harassment complaint filed against me in New Jersey. Let me be very clear, it is nonsense. It was filed by Vincent Nicotra and his lawyer's sister, Frances Nicotra, who practices law in Jersey City, New Jersey. Hey guys, Chris Hansen here of Hansen vs. Predators, and to catch a predator, I just wanted to tell you all that I've seen this amazing new smartphone called the Escobar Fold 2. I got into the Onision investigation because, quite frankly, you all asked me to do it. Television has the potential to take this to a wider audience and to increase the potential that we will see justice we are not a fan base we are a cult so the awful rumors began back in
3: 2009 i played a show and after the show, I had relations with a woman. And after I had relations with a woman, she seemed to have underlying mental issues. Long
4: story short with the whole alcohol thing is he you know, was seeking us drinks, and eventually my mom went to bed, and me and my friend retreated to my room. And he could tell that me and my friend had crushes on each other. So he, a 24, 25-year-old man, starts asking us if we like each other, if we've ever kissed, and prompting us to kiss in front of him.
1: It is our pleasure tonight to have as our guests Insane Clown Posse, Violent J and Shaggy to Dope
5: joining us tonight from the Detroit area. Do you feel like he is helping the investigation itself? No. Okay. And I think that we have to be specific about that question because we're saying the investigation, right? And we're not talking about, like, I guess, because, I mean, from my perception, it seems like he's, he certainly has helped get awareness to the story. Chris Hansen.
6: I think it's time for you to take a seat. There's been this account going around for the past few months in the anti-Onicion community called Anonymous Gene. Chris Hansen directly works with this account, and this account has done some pretty disturbing things that I wanted to bring to light, and hopefully I can get a response from Chris regarding this account and whether he endorses this, and whether he will continue to work with this account in the future. This account has directly spread the doxes of Onicion's family members, including his father, mother, sisters, and more, all in these uh, images or in the Google Google Docs folders. Uh, There's been a lot of that going on. He's done this in the past, and he kept on doing it until he kept on getting suspended. Chris Hansen
1: here. I'm going to need you to have a seat right over there so you can listen to the new episode of Deep Cuts, where Dave and Andrew dive into the story of one of history's most notorious con men. I'll be watching and listening.
0: Act 5. The sports car ain't gonna lease itself. By March of 2020, Chris Hansen, once lauded as a hero and protector, was basically a complete joke shared exclusively in the YouTube creator community. Most people, not even aware of this bizarre new chapter in Hansen's career, retained their nostalgic ideal version of TCap era Hansen, unburdened by the knowledge of the true extent of how far he had fallen. And then BOOM! Remember what happened in March of 2020? You're either listening to this episode around the time it came out and it's still fresh on your mind, or you're the great-great-great-grandchildren of the people of the before times, studying the remaining clues of what life was like before the blast. In which case, please also listen to our upcoming episode on QAnon, because it'll clear up some things. Once COVID-19 gripped its shitty, spiky, annoying little clutches around the neck of the world, Hansen, deciding that he should probably take a break from white-knuckling it through an ongoing sexual assault case he didn't fully understand, shifted focus to a light puff piece about a global pandemic. Perhaps Hansen could finally deliver some competent reporting. After all, this was more in his wheelhouse, and he had won Emmys in the past for his coverage of global crises. Maybe that whole Anision thing was a clusterfuck, but surely he could handle reporting on a virus? Nope. Use it as a shameless opportunity to compromise his morals and journalistic ethics to make money. He invites Dr. Mauricio Miglietta, the founder of a company called Nano Vapor Biotech, onto his live stream to talk about a new invention they developed that can disinfect areas and clear them of coronavirus and keep them clean for up to 70 to 90 days. Although it was framed as an interview with Dr. Miglietta to discuss the product, it's just a blatant promo that he was paid to do. Hansen asks no probing questions at all, but rather acts as the assistant on one of those late night infomercials, reacting incredulously and hanging on to every word of the person demonstrating the product.
1: Dr. Megliotta, you actually are medical director for a firm that has technology that's called Nano Vapor Biotech. Tell me what that is. How does it apply to this pandemic? Um,
5: We have a non-toxic, water-based, no residue product that can be applied to any surface, and not only does it immediately kill the virus, but incredibly, our research is
1: showing that it will kill the virus that comes into contact with that service for up to 70 to 90 days. And this is approved by the government, by the FDA? This is an FDA-approved product. What has to happen to use this in the places we need it so critically now? So we are we are ready to use this. We've been using this uh, now is just in increasing awareness. Is this a game changer? Uh, we are hopeful that it is.
5: We have some scientific evidence that it is extremely promising.
1: All right, we're going to put that link up here on this channel and I'll put it out on social media, too, so folks can become aware of this. I appreciate
2: that. No. Really? 70 to 90 days? Wow.
0: That's pretty much it. It is just, it's just an infomercial through Zoom.
2: A zoom
0: Yep. Viewers are rightfully incredibly dubious of the claims the company made about the product, and people start digging, only to find that the website for the product had been created literally the day before the live stream with Hansen. The company's Twitter page had five followers, its Facebook page had two likes, and the website only featured one single case study giving any indication that the product could actually do what they claimed it could do. The study was two pages long and credited to Private Medical Clinic aka the medical clinic that conducted the case study for whatever reason didn't want their name associated with the product shortly after the stream with hansen the company removed any and all mention of the product killing coronavirus from their website and rebranded it as a pretty run-of-the-mill hospital-grade disinfectant and turns out the product had only ever been tested in one single environment the hospital where the company's founder worked and if all that didn't convince you that this whole thing was a complete sham YouTube took down Hansen's stream a few days later for violating community guidelines, aka spreading misinformation about the coronavirus, which YouTube was heavily cracking down on at that time. He seems to have completely just abandoned all notions of ethics at this point, shamelessly plugging unproven products for profit. He starts a Cameo profile, a website where fans can pay celebrities to record video messages talking about a topic of their request, where he literally will say anything for $50. Literally anything. Anything. He'll endorse your business, say whatever you ask him to word for word, or even criticize himself.
1: Vince Palomara. Vince Palomara. Why does that name sound so disturbingly familiar? Maybe because your secret screen name is Vince Pal 69? What do you mean by Vince Pal 69? Going through some transcripts, I don't like what I see. You know, we're still climbing out of a pandemic, Vince. You're still supposed to be socially distant, flattening the curve. Not running around town, getting online saying and doing things in suspicious chat rooms. It's a sort of activity that could lead you to meet me in a dark kitchen someplace, having to call your lovely wife to throw your bail. Nobody wants that, so be here. You know, I'm often asked if we ever see two different predators show up at the same time in the same investigation, and the answer is yes. It's happened a few occasions, but this is the first time I've seen one, two, three, possibly four, but three for sure predators surface at the same time, in the same investigation, Kai, Nick, Nick, mm-hmm. suspicious, predator-like. You need to stop simping, Kai. Use your money for your computer, not Patreon. It's for you, Nick Duda, I've got my eye on you. And Nick Huber, call you later. Hey everyone, Chris Hansen here of Hansen versus Predators to catch a predator and have a seat with Chris Hansen. And I'm gonna need you all to have a seat right over there because I want you to know that the Love All LGBTQ plus support community has some exciting news. And now they've added maps to the collection. I think this is important and it's important to share this love. So you take care, take advantage of this, the lbgtq love all collection remember i'll be watching chris hansen here i'm gonna need you to have a seat right over there so you can listen to the new episode of deep cuts where dave and andrew dive into the story of one of history's most notorious con men i'll be watching and listening
0: we paid him fifty dollars to do the intro to this very podcast as well as shoot a video of him advertising the podcast on social media where he calls himself a con man. He also once shot a cameo for a troll where he got him to congratulate a kid on graduating from the Epstein flight school before even graduating from high school.
1: Very cool, son. Congratulations. I hear you've gotten into the Epstein pilot program before even finishing high school. Tremendous. Chris
0: Hansen, the godfather of taking down child predators didn't exercise even the most basic level of self awareness to stop and think about what he was saying there. What, what did you think whenever I sent you the recordings of Chris Hansen?
2: Uh, I mean, I think you know what I thought because you recorded it, uh, and I thought it was hilarious. <laughs>
6: Can I see that again when you play it again?
1: <laughs> I... I'm... I, can you play that second one again?
2: I... This is going to be our undoing. For uh, for
0: listeners of, of the show who are in the Facebook group, uh, and if you're not, you should join our Facebook group the Deep Cuts podcast Facebook group on, on Facebook. Um, It's a really cool community where we talk about episodes and people share things related to episodes. And uh, we have, we have fun discussions. One of the,
2: uh, one of the listeners in our show or in the group actually uh, went to school in Texas. And after the JJ arms episode shared a whole story in there about how JJ arms came to their school as a kid and, landed in a helicopter on their like playground and everything. It was so wild to actually like talk to someone who had actual interaction with JJ
0: arms. Yeah. People, Um, people share really cool stories. Not all of them are like, Oh, I personally interacted with the person you talked about or whatever, but people will come and share personal anecdotes related to the show or cool stories like that. Um, And there's a lot of just further discussion about episode. So if that alone is a really cool reason to join the group because like there's literally like hundreds of comments worth of discussion about like Andrew WK. We 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 talked about so much more about that show. Like you could almost do like a whole follow-up episode with like some of the stuff we discussed in the Facebook group about Andrew WK after the episode came out. So yeah, join the join the group. But if you're in the group, um I shared uh, I. Whenever I showed Dave these recordings that we got, first of all, I had this idea to do this and I was like, oh, shit, like Chris Hansen will just say whatever you want. And I had seen some of the so many other um, YouTubers and things talking about it and saying like doing their own versions of it, like they paid him to say weird shit and. They were like, he'll say anything. And I saw some of these recordings and I was like, yeah, he looks, it looks like he will just literally word for word, just say whatever you want from him. And he won't even apply critical thinking to what he's saying. He just, he wants the $50 and he'll just read your thing with his brain turned off. So I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to try this. So we paid him hundred dollars to do two videos. One of them was doing the intro to the podcast and making it seem like he was going to be a guest on the podcast And, um, the other one was like a, like a shout out social media post. So it's him like being like, listen, listen to the new episode. That's about this and calling himself a con man. And I sent these requests in and the thing, the thing on, on cameo, if you don't know, cameo is a website where there's a bunch of celebrities on there and you can pay them various amounts of money to get them to send you video messages. It's kind of like a very tame version of OnlyFans, where you can kind of get a you can get Mark McGrath from Sugar Ray to wish you happy birthday. Um, so I sent in these requests at like midnight. Like I had this idea late at night while I was like researching, and I sent these requests in at midnight. And the thing on on Cameo said that Chris Hansen typically turns around a request within three to seven days. Less than 24 hours later, the next day at like 1030, he sent them back and they were just exactly what I asked for. He he read the intro to the show and he 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 did this this promo. And whenever I saw them because they they sent they got sent to me by text. So I actually got notifications of this. And whenever I opened them, I I screamed so hard that the the previous night california los angeles in kind of the outer lying area had a fairly large earthquake that was like i was sitting there on my couch and uh my wife was
2: my wife
0: was in the bedroom uh like putting the kids to sleep or maybe she was just already asleep or something like that and this this earthquake just like shook the whole house and it just felt it had this like really loud rumbling sound and i like ran up and ran into the room and like got in bed with him or whatever and then there was an aftershock so this was the next day so i was literally like there was it was like dead silence in the house i was working in a room and then suddenly my wife just hears me go
1: oh my god
0: and she thought that another earthquake was happening and she ran in and she was like what's going on and i was like Chris Hansen. Look, Chris Hansen made videos for us. (laughs) And so I was like, at first I was just going to send you the videos, like text them to you. But then I was like, fuck that. And so I just, I called Dave on Zoom and I shared the screen and I started recording and I was like, you ready for something? And then I just played them and I, and I recorded your reaction and then i posted it out of context on the facebook group just the video of your reaction and i was like hmm what is dave reacting to so this is the this is the reveal of what that was
2: there i think it's i mean i'm i'm pretty proud of multiple of the episodes but i think that is the crowning achievement yeah for the deep cr- the, for the deep cuts empire i think <laughs> getting him to do that especially because like it's funny how sometimes I've made things in the I've made things in my life where I've been like, oh, this is gonna work, or oh, I'm really proud of this and I think this is really cool. I hope people like it. But as soon as I wrote the intro the first time to deep to the deep cuts of like you know where we walk through the nitty gritty and blah blah blah, I was like, that'll stick. I I know that this will stick, and it has. And I've had people in real life walk up to me and, like, say it word for word.
0: Yeah, people people say it all the time.
2: For Chris Chris Hansen to say it is so fucking funny to me.
0: (laughs) And he just, he does, he reads it word for word in the Chris Hansen voice.
2: I'm Chris Hansen. Welcome to Deep Cuts. The podcast where we pick a topic and walk you through the ins, the outs, and the nitty gritty. So you can appear like an interesting and idiosyncratic person at your next forced social function. He's just milking every one of those words, man.
0: If it wasn't already incredibly surreal to have Chris Hansen reading that intro to our show, just knowing who he is and his existence within the pop cultural and cultural space, it was even more surreal for to hear him saying that. After how deep into Chris Hansen I had gone with the research.
2: <laughs> yeah. You'd gone, you'd gone full Chrissy Hanhan.
0: Yeah, I was like, I was, I was deep, deep down in the in the Chris hole. And to have after that and have his speech cadence become so like kind of stuck in my mind, to have him read that was just fucking nuts. And I and I want to talk a little bit more about that in a second. A little bit, a little, a couple steps further in the episode, I want to go back to what we did in our recording and kind of give a give a give a philosophical reason for why we did it. That wasn't just oh, it was fucking hilarious. The level of shameless Hanson goes to with his cameos gained a lot of attention after a video started circulating around where he is endorsing a new product called the Escobar Flip Two, a foldable smartphone released by Pablo Escobar's actual brother, Roberto Escobar former chief of assassinations for the Escobar drug cartel. He literally accepted $50 to endorse a company owned by a mass murderer.
1: Hey guys, Chris Hansen here of Hansen vs. Predators, and to catch a predator, I just wanted to tell you all that I've seen this amazing new smartphone called the Escobar Fold 2. It appears to be the best phone out right now. I've been looking at the transcripts. So have a seat,
2: check it out, and remember, I'll be watching. Take care. It just it just doesn't seem real. <laughs> that doesn't seem real. Like it's so beyond the pale. Like we have whatever the Rubicon is, we are so far past it. We're about to cross another one.
0: Yep. And the whole thing is really unreal because not only is it that, not only not only is it Pablo Escobar's brother, there's no way of obfuscating it. There's no way of plausible deniability. This guy personally murdered and then signed, you know, instructed the murder of probably literally in the tens of thousands of people. He's a mass murderer. And Chris Hansen endorsed a phone company that he started
2: for 50 bones for
0: $50. And even worse, the entire thing was a literal theft scam. The company was created using drug money. And what they did was bought a bunch of Samsung flip phones, painted them gold and added the Escobar logo over the top of all the Samsung logos. The way that we learned that was that a bunch of YouTubers and tech reviewers that had been sent the phones, notably uh Marcus Browley, had become suspicious because they got the phone and they were like, this looks exactly like the Samsung flip phone. And there's a lot of phones and computers that are like, that are knockoffs that are, that, that are fairly identical to a name brand phone. You know, there's like knockoff iPhones and knockoff Samsung phones and things like that. But they were even more suspicious because the phone costs $400. That's significantly cheaper than the Samsung flip phone. And this the phone seemed identical in functionality. So they were like, how is this possible? How are they selling it for this? So they actually started digging around on the phone and pulling off decals and logos and they discovered that they were literally Samsung flip phones that had just been painted. It wasn't a knockoff. It wasn't, it wasn't a clone that was built in some warehouse it was just they took the phone and painted it they offered them for $400 on the website which seemed like a great deal compared to the 1500 that the identical Samsung flip cost they sent a bunch of these fake phones out to crappy low-rent YouTube tech reviewers to look at and then anybody else who actually bought a phone from the website had their money stolen and never actually received a phone after they'd made enough money from the scam they deleted the website and disappeared they bought like whatever they bought a hundred Samsung flips or whatever the number was They painted them. They added these logos. They sent those out to YouTubers. The YouTubers started reviewing them. And, you know, some of the YouTubers with more integrity, like Marcus Browley, like they were like, this is a fucking scam. But some of the lower hanging fruit tech reviewers, they actually gave them positive reviews because they just they were like, this phone works because it was a it was a Samsung phone. And then people bought the phone on the website based on this promotional campaign. And then. They just took all the money. Chris Hansen actively helped Pablo Escobar's murderer brother run a phishing scam. And if you see some of the footage surrounding this, everything about it is unreal. They, they, They did like a promotional thing, like they were interviewed by some news organization or whatever. And Roberto Escobar is like talking about, he's like, yes, I've always loved technology. And I just thought that I could make better technology than other people. And the way he's saying is like, this guy knows nothing about anything. He's just speaking. It's like the Sophia Stewart thing where he's pretending like he's an expert, but he doesn't know enough about it to be able to speak like an expert. So it's, it's transparent to anybody listening to him that he literally knows nothing about it. And then they cut to like the guy who's the supposed CTO of the company, who's this random Swedish guy. And he's like,
2: Oh yeah, I'm here doing the stuff with the Pablo Escobar and his brother, his brother Roberto.
0: He literally says, we're going to be, we're, we are becoming the new Steve Jobs. That's what he says. Sounds about right. And it's obviously some weird hired actor. It's so fucking weird. I love it. You'd seriously think Chris Hansen would have stopped doing cameo or at least started heavily vetting the requests he fulfilled after finding out he literally endorsed a phishing scam by a drug kingpin's brother but he's still doing it to this day. Anybody got a phishing scam? He'll literally help you run it right now for $50. And just to go back to our cameo real quick, aside from it being hilarious, another reason why I wanted to do it and the reason why I wanted to feature it in this episode and kind of get this weird fake out at the beginning of the episode that made it seem like he was going to be a guest on the show is because I, I just really wanted to hammer the point home of like, whatever your opinion on Chris Hansen is up to this point, whether or not you believe these things which it's all true i don't know how you wouldn't be able to believe them or if you just don't think it's a big deal if you think so far nothing we've said on this epi- on these on these episodes ruins him for you and you still think like don't care he's great comedy aside or how funny it was aside don't you think it's a little troublesome and problematic that somebody who's supposed to be who's supposed to stand for objective journalism and it's supposed to be the person who is bringing us fair and balanced news and is supposed to stand for all of these various tenets of integrity in reporting information can be bought for $50 to endorse a podcast and call himself a con man. Don't you think that there's something a little troublesome about that? Because I do. Aside from it being funny, it's very shocking that an Emmy-winning news journalist who helped bring down a crack den and busted up a child trafficking ring and helped arrest 300 pedophiles will say whatever you want for $50 without thinking about it. That worries me a little bit, that you, know, you have people out there who are so trusted, so accepted as this source of information and that they can be bought and sold that easily. Another really weird thing about his cameos is how he shamelessly uses his t catchphrases. Have a seat right over there, or I'll be watching and listening. He fires off the phrases in the same way that a Donald Trump impersonator would say, You fired! to a cooing group of middle-aged soccer moms on a weekend trip to Vegas. It's so weird to me that he uses phrases that he employed in hard-hitting takedowns of pedophiles as his fun catchphrases he says to delight his fans. We didn't even ask him to say, I'll be watching and listening in the video he made for us. He just added that in on his own. It seemed that Hansen had pretty much given up on the idea of continuing to do investigations for YouTube, and he just full-on becomes a spokesperson for shady scam bullshit. He participated in another thinly veiled product endorsement interview for a series of classes called Scam Report, which is run by John Cristani. It's a pyramid scheme to sell his shitty guru book. The book is supposed to be about how to protect yourself from scams, but it is a scam. He also endorsed another scam called Debt Relief Secrets, a book on how to reduce your debt. The book is by Anthony Serendrea, another scam artist guru. These two things, if you look into them, like you know, go go look them up. Look up John Cristani or or Anthony Serendrea or Scam Report or Def- Debt Relief Secrets. They're pyramid schemes. And Chris Hansen did a series of endorsements for them, like, like a like a whole special where he like sits down and interviews John Cristani. And it's so weird, too, because it's like, why would Chris Hansen be doing this? They're capitalizing off of the iconography of Chris Hansen, where it's like he's having a seat with John Cristani, But the iconography of it is implying if you map that onto Chris Hansen's career and what he did, it's like implying that John Cristani is a predator or he's in the position of a predator. It's so weird. People play into this weird punning of Chris Hansen's career. And so it's like they're more than happy to be like, oh, I'm having a seat with Chris Hansen. You shouldn't want to have a seat with Chris Hansen. The people that had a seat with Chris Hansen were pedophiles. Why would you do that? That's so weird to put yourself in that position from a branding perspective.
2: Yeah, but he's famous.
0: That's exactly. They're just like. But he's
2: he's famous. All context melts away in his baby blue shark eyes as they blink at me across this table. I just love Chris Hansen. Chris Hansen, take me into your your secret dark den of iniquity and scam artists.
0: I mean, we we could we could launch a pretty good pyramid scheme. We already we already have an audience. Just got get Chrissy hands on board, and we could, be, we could be selling these people pamphlets by tomorrow.
2: I hear that Hillsmer's dandruff cures male pattern baldness.
0: Mm, yes. Actually, I took Hillsmer's dandruff, and I now look like Cousin It. It grew hair all over my body. It's actually kind of annoying, but, you know, just take a little less, I guess. He then got paid $10,000 to start an attack ad on a woman named Valerie Plame running for Congress in New Mexico accused of being an anti-Semite but then she turned out to be Jewish herself. I guess she did actually say some problematic things that we won't go into here, but the ultimate point is that somebody was like, here's $10,000, say this lady hates Jews in your teacup voice. And he was like, okay, I won't check into this at all.
1: Her screen name is at Valerie Plame. Valerie Plame, I'm gonna need you to have a seat right over there. She promoted material from a racist hate site at least nine times won't believe what she's doing now i'm running for congress congress did you just wake up in the morning and say i'm gonna share a racist website at least nine times i just want to spread some hate oh
6: well right Uh, there's been lots written recently
2: how. i'm chris hansen hating jews isn't cool
0: that's literally what it is literally after hansen seemingly cashed in on every scam and grift he could find He finally got called back to the Onision case for one last hurrah when, out of the blue, Onision agreed to do a sit-down interview with Hansen. However, Onision wanted to do the interview on his channel, and perhaps because of old man technical incompetence, or perhaps as a purposeful evasion tactic, Hansen claimed that Onision wanted to do the interview on his OnlyFans page, and rejected it on the grounds of refusing to appear on a porn site. And I can't even... I can't even convey that in this copy, so I'll have to explain it, like, because it makes no sense. Onision was like, I'll do the interview, come onto my channel and we'll do it. He said nothing about OnlyFans, but then in a response video, Chris Hansen was like, I'm not doing it because I'm not going to go onto a porn site. I literally don't even know why he thinks that he, it's never explained. Nobody can explain why he thought he was asking him to go onto his OnlyFans. It's so weird. It makes, it's just so confusing.
2: I mean, is that just him? Is that just is the reason that he's saying that almost he's just saying that because it's an excuse not to let Onision monetize the video because Hansen wanted to monetize the video?
0: Then That's my only explanation is that he purposely was just saying that to get out of it because otherwise it doesn't make sense. He never he never suggested OnlyFans. He never mentioned OnlyFans. In response to this, Onision agreed to do the interview on Hansen's channel with one stipulation. The interview has to be demonetized on his channel. Hansen refuses, but then 30 minutes later, caves due to fan backlash and agrees to demonetize the video. Hansen and his team say the interview needs to be pre-recorded, even though he does all of his interviews live. And ECON agrees as long as he can simultaneously live stream it on his channel, so nothing can be taken out of context. Hansen refuses. Some context for this, there's actually a very large community of so-called commentary YouTubers on YouTube. And it's basically this big community of people who make long... 30 minute hour long videos talking about these things. They'll make an hour long video talking about Onision and this alleged thing he did or this new advancement in the Onision story or interviewing one of his victims. So this thing that Chris Hansen is doing is actually very common on the channel. And it's a bunch of young kids doing this. It's it's like 22 year olds with channels where they make these long videos talking about how problematic Shane Dawson is or the horrible things that Jeffree Star has done. It's part of their agreed upon protocol that whenever they do a really serious video where they sit down and interview a victim or a survivor about their story, it's a sign of respect and a common part of what they do that they will demonetize those videos. That's just the thing that they do. And they, they sort of say it in the, in the video. They'll be like, you know, and just to let you know this video has been demonetized, not making any money off of it, or or sometimes they even donate the money to charity or whatever. In that context, it's specifically egregious that Chris Hansen was like, No, like I wanna I'm gonna make money from this. So you got a lot of backlash from that. Hansen claims he doesn't want Anisian live-streaming it simultaneously because he doesn't want him exploiting the interview for views and money, even though he's exploiting it for views and also he initially refused to demonetize the video, but really it feels like he wants to be able to cut up the interview and take things out of context, and having the full interview live-stream doesn't play into his manipulation tactics. Or he's scared that Anisian will make a fool of him and wants to be able to control what the audience sees. Eventually, Onision finally caves completely and agrees to do the interview pre-recorded with Hansen without live-streaming, but for some reason they still refuse? It makes absolutely no sense. And just like the OnlyFans thing, nobody can explain this, and it's never been acknowledged, but after this back and forth, Onision finally said, fine, pre-recorded, o- on your channel, it will not be live streamed on my channel, Whatever. I don't even care if you monetize the video. Fuck it. And then they just didn't do it. And they never explained why.
2: You think that's Chris Hansen not wanting a definitive period at the end of that sentence? So yeah. That he can,
0: yeah, he know. wanted to pursue him. He wanted him to refuse. He wanted to have this drawn out thing of trying to get him to do the interview chasing the white whale. He didn't want to actually do the interview because... What the fuck is he going to say? He doesn't know anything about this case. All he's done is interviewed people and been like, it's horrible what he did. He, he has no insight into the case. He is a reporter. He has no specific insights into these things. He's just a face. So when he has these, when he conducts these interviews, his questions suck because he's not being backed by a huge news corporation. In the wake of this mess, Hansen started being heavily criticized for bungling up the interview. In response to the criticism, he literally just tweeted a picture of his Emmy with no caption. Dude has just straight up lost touch with reality.
2: I kind of love that, though. I kind of love him (laughs) just being like, what? What? I'm a YouTube person who's barely scraping by, and I've hired a sexual predator to be a lawyer to work with me, who I then let go. And I had this guy who was working for me, and then I uh, had to let him go because he was a racist. uh, But fuck it, I got an Emmy!
0: There's some stuff I want to talk about in regards to that in the discussion portion.
2: You mean the discussion trilogy of episodes?
0: Yes, that I have some specific thoughts on Hansen's credentials versus all these other YouTubers who are criticizing him and kind of some of the complexities of that. And then pretty much the most exploitative thing he's done to date comes out. It's discovered that Hansen is attempting to sell the Anision story to Investigation Discovery to create a legit investigation news special around it. Fans, critics, and the victims he interviewed are understandably confused and livid. First of all, he is taking all of these victims and survivors that agreed to come on his show and capitalizing off of their stories without their permission, and the whole thing is extremely exploitative. Plus, Hansen doesn't even have anything to do with the story. He's just inserting himself into it. Also, you can't sell a story like this. He doesn't own life rights, and none of the story happened to him. All he can sell is his part of the story, which is, I did a bunch of Zoom calls with women and asked them dumb questions. After the backlash, Hansen backpedaled on the entire affair and tried to play it off like he was never attempting to sell the story, but was rather just opening up a dialogue about possibilities for investigation and discovery to help amplify the voice of the survivors. At this point, he moves on from Onision completely, though he does randomly mention him from time to time and promise to continue updating about his quote-unquote investigation, and sets his sights on another burgeoning news story of victims coming forward about a celebrity predator grooming them at a young age. He officially starts investigating the lead singer of mid-2000s MySpace band, Blood on the Dance Floor, Davi Vanity.
2: Rumors began circulating in 2009 about the misconduct happening both on and off stage for fans of Davi Vanity. That name is so hard to say. Davi Vanity, Vanity, Davi Vanity, grinding on underage fans at shows, being photographed open mouth kissing them, and making some of the most sexually explicit comments directed towards them that you could possibly imagine. He used to have fans throw their bras on stage, and there's a video where he picks one up and comments that it's a Hello Kitty bra, which could only possibly belong to a preteen girl. Over the years, he was accused of sexual assault by several former fans who claimed he had either sexually harassed or even forced them into sexual acts with him as young as 12 years old. In March of 2020, the stories and accusations really started to bubble over and many women were coming forward with their accounts of being victimized by Davi. Hansen started out by interviewing Blair White the same political commentator and survivor advocate from the Onision case, as well as Ashley Lily, one of Vanity's most egregious victims, who, at the age of 13, ingratiated himself with her mom as a sort of mentor father figure for Ashley. Staying the night at her house while she was having a sleepover with a friend, he snuck into her bedroom at night, encouraged the two 13-year-old girls to kiss in front of him, then joined the kiss, and later forced Ashley into performing oral sex on him.
0: And once again, just like the Anision story, that's a little brief description of a truly horrific story that I just don't want to get into here because, you know, this isn't a this isn't a true crime podcast. i listen to a lot of true crime podcasts, but I'm not necessarily unless it's completely necessary to do. And it's really germane to the story. I don't want to go into detail of explaining these horrific things. if If you're interested in finding out more about that, there's plenty of content about it on YouTube. Several more women reach out to Hansen, wanting to come onto his show and tell their stories. It's a whole new set of people who probably aren't particularly aware of the Anision drama, so they don't yet know how ineffective Hansen is at actually assisting in these situations. Hansen promised he had connections at the FBI and he could get a case started for this. However, He kept stringing them along, not delivering results and ghosting them. Finally, they ended up taking it upon themselves and got in contact with the FBI without him. Completely independent of Hanson's help, a few other women actually got in contact with an FBI agent. And there's now an open investigation into Vanity's misconduct. At first, Ashley really believed Hanson could help the case and ended up becoming his assistant of sorts. Working for free, reaching out to guests, emailing and messaging people, staying up until 6am every night working to get survivors on Hanson's show. It drove a rift between her and her fiancé. It emotionally exhausted her. She was having constant anxiety and panic attacks.
4: Yeah, we talked that day. Um, He ended up, or we ended up being on the phone, and I was so upset because this girl, I felt so bad for her because she was just crying on the phone with me, and she was so uncomfortable, and she was so young and just so small, and I just, I felt so bad for her, and I was, like, crying on the phone with him because I'm, like, I'm watching this girl be used by him right now, and, like, we have to do something. Like, where... What can we do to help her? And he told me that, you know, well, find out where she lives. And he probably this is like literally verbatim. He's like, I probably have connections in law enforcement out there from when I was on the show. So find out where she lives and tell me and then I'll see what I can do. I told her, like, listen, like, we're going to figure it out. Like, we got this. Don't worry about it. Like, we'll get this taken care of. When Davi was calling this girl, he was asking to see her bedroom. Like, he was asking her to show her entire room to him so that he would know if she had a camera anywhere, if there was anybody else in the room recording the conversations before he would proceed and asking her of sexual favors. So I, me and her uh, came up with a game plan where she was going to have an ipad or something or have her phone up somewhere that he couldn't see and then i would report it for her so i would be screen recording their call for her so she, he didn't get like any notifications of her screenshotting or screen recording because he does this all through instagram um instagram video calls yeah so you get notifications I, at least i think you get notifications yeah, but either way she was we we're figuring that out I, I kept asking Chris, like, because she she was really scared to go through with it. So me and her kept kind of going back and forth, like, okay, well, we'll do it this time. We'll do it this time. So I kept asking him, you know, like, what, have you heard anything? Because um, this girl, he's still calling her. Like, she was sending me screenshots where he's calling her literally 30 times a day. This 36-year-old man was FaceTiming a 16-year-old girl 30 times a day and they were like talking through text or like through messengers sending each other pictures just like regular photos of themselves and I kept sending them or I kept telling him about it on the phone and I was like hey when when can we hear, When did you hear back from somebody like when can we do something about this and it was just like I will soon, I will soon, I have this here I'm waiting on hearing back from somebody else, I'm waiting on this I'm waiting on that and then two weeks go by and this girl FaceTimes me again and we're like okay you know what fuck it, we're not going to wait for Chris Hansen we're just going to do this now um, so I looked up the laws on, like, recording phone calls and everything, and they said, as long as the person is doing something illegal, it's okay. So I was like, all right, cool, we're good. And we started setting everything up, and then mid-call with this girl, she realizes that Dobby has blocked her because he got suspicious, because she wasn't sending him pictures anymore. We okay. lost the ability for anything. Yeah, he just kept putting it off. And that in particular just sucks so bad, because it's like, I was watching this young girl, like, fall apart, and, like, blame herself, and... Like, she wanted to help so bad, and then we just lost it.
0: Eventually, she lost faith in Hansen and decided to cut ties with him completely. Once again, Hansen saw himself burning bridges with everyone involved in this case as he slowly revealed to them that A, he was really only in it for the views and the money, and B, despite his reputation, he kind of completely sucked at doing his job. As happened with the Onision case, the final straw for anyone still rooting for Hanson occurred when he interviewed Jeffree Star, a highly controversial makeup vlogger and business owner who was embroiled in several of his own controversies, but who knew and was friends with Davi Vanity for years since they came from the same town. The interview is criticized because A. Everyone hates Jeffree Star and he has proven himself to be an absolute liar and opportunist and B. Because he told several egregious lies throughout the interview and Hanson didn't take him to task at all like an actual journalist should. So here he is. A man without a town, shunned from the Onision victim advocacy community, on the verge of being shunned by the Davi Vanity victim advocacy community. As the stories of his exploits of incompetence start to drift further and further out of the orbit of just the YouTube community, he's starting to become outed as a sham to the greater public. And it seems like anytime he even makes a single tweet, he gets 10 hour long videos from YouTubers calling him out on his every mistake. At worst, his interview quote-unquote investigations are openly damaging to the ongoing cases he's pretending to want to help, such as the Jeffree Star interview the way he ghosted Ashley about getting in contact with the FBI, or the time he took a key piece of evidence in the Onision case and rendered it inadmissible in court. At best, his interviews are completely pointless wastes of time that seem to literally have no purpose whatsoever, such as this time that he interviewed the insane clown posse about Davi Vanity for some reason.
1: Talented guys who are socially conscious and trying to do a lot of great things right now. You came out just the other day And I have so many questions, I don't even know where to start. I've been doing this for 40 years, but I'm very excited to have you guys here. You called Davi Vanity, Jesus Torres, juggalo enemy number one. How did he get on your radar, and why did you decide to speak out in a way that has created so much attention to this? I mean, um,
7: he came on our radar through your show. Yeah. You know, honestly, uh, we want, you know, know, the, the old show, To Catch a Predator, that's my all-time favorite show you know of all time and I remember the funny thing was I my son I believe was 13 at the time he's 15 now and um, and I said Bud, I want to show you this really cool show come here and I've I loaded it up on YouTube and he's like, oh Chris Hansen, Dad, have to catch a predator like, and I'm like yeah you already know this and he's like yeah and I was like hell yeah you know. But um we made a song called The Catch a Predator. I was listening
1: <laughs> sure to it as in the warm-up for the show. It's a very, very Yeah, powerful. It's quite and of course that was inspired by you, you know? Well, so I, uh, yeah,
7: we we um you know we 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 are huge fans. I mean we we follow your career, we you know, we just uh really admire you. And um but what what it was about this particular guy, this particular investigation, is of course it hit so close to home for us because technically this guy is—he does the exact same thing for a living we do. Yeah, right. Right. You know, which right. Is, by itself is a, is a rare um, profession. I mean, it's not like everybody does this. You know, it's a, it's a rare job. It's not—I don't rare whatever the word is. It's a unique job. You know, so this guy's doing
1: exactly what we do. I totally get it. Was he somebody you knew in the music industry? I mean, I, I no, was no, he on we are radar no. at all.
7: What you gotta understand is this, man. it's it's like our whole career, we we've been totally against any kind of uh, uh pedophiling or touching children, loudly speaking about it, our whole career. In our music. In our music, right. Not just like outspoken about it like in interviews, but in in songs, in our music, you know, it, it goes back to the beginning of our music career. And um, you know, so obviously when we found out about Davi Dobby, uh, the pedophile boy. You know what I'm saying? We we couldn't just sit there and not say nothing. It was, you know, it's just like, come on, man, he's doing what we're doing.
2: <laughs> 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 they're in full on makeup.
0: Yep, they're in the full insane clown posse makeup.
2: You guys are the men to me. <laughs> you've never, Dad
0: you've never heard insane clown posse in your life.
2: You told us to do this.
0: <laughs> the, the The conversation is just so
2: off in another stratosphere. I was listening to it in the warm-up to the show. It's quite something. I've been doing this 40 years, and I've never once had to ask someone, where do magnets come from? <laughs> How do they work? Shaggy to dope. Can you enlighten <laughs> us?
0: Well, you know, like, I learned about magnets from watching you because you were talking about magnets. And I was like, damn, I use magnets every day. (laughs) And I didn't even think about how they worked. And you opened my eyes to that. And I was, I had my son, I, I called my son and I was like, yo, son, come in here. I need to show you this dope thing about this thing that Chris Hansen was showing me. And my son looked at it and he was like, oh yeah, magnets. And I was like, you know about
2: magnets? <laughs> I, love that, I love that they're just like, yeah, man, that thing you did 20 years ago, we were really fucking big fans, man. We just love that shit. Like you're the reason we became musicians, bro. We saw you talking to those fucking rapists and we were like, yeah.
0: Let's put on shit. this clown makeup and start singing about family.
2: Family yeah and ninjas don't they think about ninjas
0: yeah they say ninjas instead of the n-word
2: oh my god really yeah
0: they replace anywhere where you would say that with ninja instead
2: wow i feel like we need to do a deep cuts all about
0: (laughs) we probably should it's it's a it's a crazy story i mean the whole just the juggalo thing like just
2: and like didn't it come out that they're actually they were stealth christians this whole time
0: there's a lot of stuff about them. I mean, they're like they're, there's like this weird religious element of it. And like they were kind of like a joke for a while, but then they kind of actually got some they actually got some respect in the community because they basically went and staged like a counter protest to like a bunch of white supremacist Trump supporters that were protesting in Washington and stuff like that. And
2: I was in I was in uh Maryland when that happened. You
0: were in you were in the Juggalo
2: I was at the gathering the gathering is in Arizona where I'm from. Yeah. There could be a juggalo. You don't know my life. There's
0: a big, there's a big, I mean, you know, but for listeners, there's a huge community of juggalos in Arizona where you're from New Mexico, where I'm from. And also in Bakersfield, California, where I lived for many
2: years. Yeah. Some of my, some of my best friends are juggalos. Uh, Maybe not best friends, but I know a lot of people who are juggalos, who are really, really nice people.
0: This is not a joke, Dave. My brother is a juggalo. Within the first few minutes of the interview, ICP reveals that they don't know anything about the case other than what they've seen in Chris Hansen's videos. So he's interviewing people attempting to get new information about this ongoing case who literally learned everything they know about it from him. Unbelievable fucking real. At least we got this promo where Chris Hansen not only utters the hilarious catchphrase Juggalos Beyond call but also pronounces ICP member Shaggy2Dope's name in the most dad way humanly possible.
1: As our investigation into Davi Vanity continues the music industry is speaking out loudly about the 10 year history of sexual assault allegations and grooming. Our guests tomorrow night, Wednesday, 8 Eastern, Violent J, Shaggy to Dope, Insane Clown Posse, live as they have a seat with Chris Hansen. Check it out. Juggalos, Beyond Call.
0: And he's just listening to Insane Clown Posse in the background. I actually I actually hope I I, I want to believe an alternate read of this situation where he actually genuinely is a huge ICP fan and has been for years.
2: Andrew, Andrew, no, <laughs> Andrew, Shaggy to dope, Shaggy to dope, Violent J and Shaggy to dope. He's
0: a, he's just a, he's a he's the dad. He's the proto. He's the uber dad.
2: Das uber Fasa shaggy to dope i can't get over shaggy to dope (laughs) we've been here for nine hours and i don't think anything will come even close nothing to shaggy to dope
0: shaggy to dope it's so funny it's you can't write it you can't write it shaggy
2: to dope he has no insight into this situation literally has never heard of it before But I'm going to ask the probing questions that you want to know. I'm
0: literally only doing this because Insane Clown Posse have a large cult following and I'm trying to get internet clout.
2: I'm Chris Hansen. Welcome to Clout Chaser, Grandpa Edition. (laughs) My guests today, Violet J and Shaggy (laughs) Tadop. Do
0: you think that we could get sued if I just change my name to Shaggy to Dope? And it's like, <laughs> I'm Dave Aker, and I'm Shaggy to Dope. <laughs>
2: is, what do we have to do to get the Insane the ins- the Clown Posse? What do we have to do to get the Insane Clown Posse on the show? It can't be that hard if they're trying to hang out with fucking Chris Hanson.
0: Oh, we, c- we can get the Insane Clown Posse.
2: I'm Dave Baker. I'm Andrew Price. And I'm Shaggy to <laughs> He
0: says, he calls himself that?
8: Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. You I don't even
2: know where to go I, I don't know how we come back from shaggy to dope
0: you can't write any of this
2: <laughs> wait so the, do they have a record label like are all those other clown bands like are they on their Yeah, label it's, or
0: it's th- real weird the, 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 the relationship between them as a band the iconography and sort of the canon that they have and then like how that extends to both the community that they have as well as their record label as well as other bands so like ICP is the originator of all of the juggalo shit it's all, co- it all comes from them. They created all of it. It's all mythology within their band. But then other people who are fans of ICP are juggalos. So it's like if Deep Cuts fans started dressing up in like red sweatshirts with collared shirts underneath and started pretending like they were like boy detectives or whatever. And then a huge community grew out of it. And then they had conventions and festivals and things. Sometimes ICP does perform with them and sometimes they don't even perform with them. They're, they're not even involved in it. It's just like if a bunch of Rolling Stones fans just like went and like had a hangout session together, partied on a giant compound and live bands played that kind of sounded like Rolling Stones. But Rolling Stones actually had nothing to do with it and they didn't actually go. They didn't play and they didn't even know it existed. And then also there's other bands who are are also Juggalos. So they're like people who are fans of, who started out as fans of ICP and they were Juggalos, but then they started bands and then they became, they got record labels or they signed with ICP's record label. And then they're just a different band who also capitalizes off of the iconography of Juggalos. So like Twisted, there's a band called Twisted and they're Juggalos, but they're not affiliated with ICP. I mean, they are, they're friends and they, I think they're on their record label, but they're a different band, but they're also Juggalos.
2: I love it. I'm converting.
0: I don't need to. My, I don't have a brother. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'll, I'll play this, though. Oh, my God. Did, you, did your brother make music? Did he make Juggalo music?
0: Dave. Dave.
2: Your brother made Juggalo music?
0: Dave. Dave.
2: Oh, my God. What is happening right now? I'm so tense. I feel like I'm about to get ambushed.
7: Born and raised in Roswell. It's small, but it's small. I've been to hell. I thought the devil would break his back. He's gonna me home to the land I room I got it already put in my place. They see my throne, I try to keep patience in my face. But I guess I have much love for the juggalos out there. I wish as your commanders, yours as ours. We have tons of y'all coming to the show. Just because of love of the juggalos. We're gonna have to just Be
2: hot. Juggalos are fucking die!
8: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Was that your brother? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand. Does he not understand how rhythm works?
0: There's not a single word you can recognize in that entire thing, other than "born and raised in Roswell." Nothing. And then and then and then, then whatever,
2: fucking die. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't understand anything I just heard, but I love it, and I want him to have a record deal. <laughs> And I need to know his fucking juggalo name. I forget what it was.
0: He had he had like a weird rap group with our cousin who they they just rapped over like existing beats. And and I know that they were called Schizophrenic Killers, but I can't remember what his name was.
2: Do you remember your cousin's name?
0: No, I I used to. I I used to know both their names. I was like I I would like I I would always like listen to all their music and and like keep up to date with the exploits of schizophrenic killers and i can't remember what their names were
2: oh shit it's schizophrenic killers yeah oh yeah dude (laughs) oh yeah dude but i have to agree with him juggles won't ever fucking die
0: me too man me too (laughs) what would you do in this situation gracefully bow out and retire from the armchair youtube predator catching business acknowledge your damaging role in this situation so far and ask for guidance in how you can improve yourself and do better in the future? Did anybody have any money on actively start working with an anonymous member to strategically dox all of your enemies but pretend like you had nothing to do with it? Yeah, me neither. Around this time, an unknown YouTube account called Anonymous Gene or Gene Anonymous or any of the many different handles he created as his accounts are systematically banned starts popping up in the burning embers of the TCAP community. He openly condemns anybody who is critical of Chris Hansen and essentially becomes his new attack dog. If you make fun of Hansen, Anonymous Gene is going to come after you. Gene starts threatening that he is a next level internet hacker and is going to start releasing the private information of many key figures in the Onision and Davi Vanity cases, and he makes good on his promise. In a stunning show of his abilities, Anonymous Gene doxes Onision's entire family, parents, siblings, etc., releasing their full names, phone numbers, and home addresses. He also does the same for John Swan, a YouTuber who was one of the first to release an expose on Hanson's history of bad reporting and incompetence in the Onision and Davi Vanity cases. Rumors start to fly about anonymous Gene. Who is he? Is he actually working with Chris Hansen? Some people think he's Vincent Nicotra. Some people think he might even be Hansen himself. However, Wes Most, the YouTuber who was previously doxxed by Vincent and had horrible racist slurs hurled at him, was able to talk to anonymous Gene and get some fairly illuminating information from a chat, reenacted here on his YouTube channel with a use of the real Slim Shady by Eminem as background music that I will never understand.
9: Let's talk. I have a little bit of a platform now and I would like to share your side of the story.
8: You want to share the story of a mechanic turned anonymous? I am deeply honored.
9: I thought you were Vince. You have seen the issues I have with him.
8: And he plays games. Not Vincent. Eugene. Again, I am a retired mechanic. Ask me anything about a car.
9: Yes I believe you. I know you are not Vincent. Your spelling was the first giveaway, and then when you proved technical ability, I knew you were not him.
8: So what can I help you with?
9: Can I send you some questions? Do you want to do an audio interview, or should I just send them here?
8: You may send them here. I do not allow my voice to be recorded.
9: I am worried your account will be gone again. I will need about 20 minutes and then send them here.
8: The reason I was losing accounts was I was spamming 6,000 messages a day. This one should hold. I am not spamming with it.
9: Other than being a retired mechanic, what else can you tell me about your background? How did you acquire your technical skills? And what led you to this path of internet justice?
8: I'm really not down for an interview if you had questions about the case.
9: What can you tell me about Chris Hansen's role in the investigation? Do you expect that we will see Onision and Kai behind bars anytime soon? Will Chris be able to get Sarah's laptop to the FBI so they can finally go through it?
8: It is a transition time right now. Many questions you asked cannot be answered right now. Chris's role? He's a predator catcher. They both will be in jail sometime soon.
9: You are obviously passionate about this case and in contact with Chris. Did you seek
8: him out to help? I owed him a favor. Nothing more.
9: So your goal is not to deplatform any predator in particular. Will you stay on after Onision on his jail to assist with further apprehensions?
8: No, I am doing this for Chris so then he can go after the dark net predators. I really am here to help him with the dark net, but one project at a time.
9: Can I ask your thoughts on Vince? Do you believe he was going to damage the case Chris is fighting for? And can you explain more about the dark net predators? Are these the sex traffickers we hear so much about that the authorities seem unable to stop because of a lack of resources and know-how? How
8: How would it damage it if the FBI was investigating before Chris was involved? The darknet is not something that can be put into simple sentences. It would take hours to explain, enough so you could understand it just enough to go... Where did I put myself through that? You were asking law enforcement officers to go after darknet predators? Like asking a McDonald's employee to pilot Falcon Heavy.
9: I agree. People keep telling me that what I was doing would harm the investigation, and I knew that was not accurate. Will Chris be going after people like that, or anyone in particular, or is it just to blow the lid on the dark web in general?
8: I cannot tell him yet, but it will be every manner of pedophile you could imagine, mostly from places as Magic Kingdom, Boylust, Me, and others. Why was the text released tonight? Write your story with some ethics and we will see.
9: Okay, understood. Is there one final thing you could tell me that would ease people's mind who are now doubting the investigations?
8: I can find the police report that mentions it. But I am sure you could find it just as easy.
9: I did, but so many people have poked holes in it that people are doubting it. In lieu of that, what is the overall message you would like to relay?
8: You can link it right from the Pierce County website. Message? We are anonymous. We are Legion. We do not forgive. We do not forget. No issues. I am a short-tempered asshole. My apologies. You can use anything we have discussed.
9: Before you go, do you have any other text you can leak or will I have to wait until if and when you decide to? It will be delivered straight. No funny shit or twisting your
0: words. So it wasn't Vincent. It seemingly wasn't anybody. Just some random guy who had stayed loyal to Hanson throughout all of his exploits. YouTubers started doing digging and also discovered that apparently Anonymous Gene wasn't a new development in Hanson's life. He'd actually been working with him since at least back when Hanson attempted to confront Anision at his house. It was discovered that Gene had actually been the one to leak the first footage of Chris standing outside of Anision's house and Hansen had apparently sent him the video on purpose so that he could quote-unquote leak it to the public. He did the same thing with a screenshot of Vincent saying the n-word. During Wesmo's chat with him he sent him a screenshot that showed Hansen sending him the screenshot of Vincent saying the n-word and subtly implying that he should leak it to the public. How far down does this rabbit hole go? So now this is kind of serious. Chris Hansen is no longer just simply accused of being a shitty reporter and advocate for victims of underage sexual assault. He's actually being accused of working directly with an internet hacker, instructing him to dox people as revenge for criticizing him. In a video addressing the anonymous Gene allegations, Hansen claims to not know who Gene is and to never have worked with him. He also claims to completely disavow doxing and to never have participated in or endorsed it in any way. However, floods of direct evidence that neither of these things are true started turning up. In one screenshot of a social media interaction, Hansen responds to a commenter asking if Gene worked for Hansen by saying he is responsible for his own actions. He worked with, not for. So he did at least work with him. In another screenshotted social media post, somebody in Hansen's Facebook group comments saying,
2: Hey Chris, I hope you see this. Emails leaked that involve you, Vincent, and a hacker. I'm pretty sure it's a fake, and it's not really you, but you need to address the situation and clear your name. Hope you're doing okay. To which Hansen replied, Show it to Gene, please. That seems to imply a
0: much closer relationship. Uh,
2: show it to Gene, please. it <laughs> to do.
0: Every time he types anything on like a Facebook comment or anything like that, he says it out loud to himself in the Chris Hansen voice. That seems to imply a much closer relationship than Hansen is suggesting. The most damning evidence actually comes from Hansen himself. In a video on his YouTube channel where he's addressing a situation on Twitter, he shows a screenshot from his phone that shows him being blocked by some random Twitter account. However, in the screenshot you can see his menu panel of options, the menu you get when you're being asked if you want to share an image with your contact, airdrop it or email it, etc. And in the panel of the contacts he texts with most frequently, above his own two sons, Chase and Connor, in texting frequency, is Anonymous Gene. He literally just has him in his contacts as Anonymous Gene. In terms of his disavowalment of doxing, well, another YouTuber critical of Hanson's work, Creep Show Art, who actually was the one who helped secure the FBI agent to open up a case against Dobby Vanity, decided to run her own catfishing scheme. She emailed Mike Morse, the scumbag lawyer that Hanson is partnered with, posing as a TCAP fanatic claiming to have private, personal information such as phone numbers and addresses of some of the key YouTubers who have been openly criticizing Hanson. So, If Hansen's hard stance against doxing is that he disavows it, wants nothing to do with it, and refuses to engage in it whatsoever, then the obvious response to this email would either be no response or a polite, sorry we do not accept information like that as it's highly illegal and unethical. So what did Morse respond with?
2: Send anything over that you have, and I'll forward it to Chris.
0: Yeah, it wasn't Hansen directly, but somebody ostensibly representing Hansen's organization openly agreed to accept doxed information. So let's look at a checklist. So far in his career, Hansen has gotten an innocent kid who was working for the FBI to bust up a crack den, condemned to life on the streets, and eventually prison, goaded a man into committing suicide on camera and then airing it for ratings, cheated on his wife, ruined the life and career of his mistress, tried to ruin the life of a marijuana dealer and a hardworking preschool owner trying to turn his life around, scammed his fans out of thousands of dollars from unfulfilled Kickstarter rewards and subscriptions to a service that never yielded any content, participated in endorsing several scams and pyramid schemes, including one literally run by a mass murdering member of one of the most brutal drug cartels in history, tampered with evidence in a serious sexual assault case, rendering it inadmissible in court, actively interfered in another sexual assault case that basically just held it up and prevented it from moving forward and getting any closer to finding justice and openly worked with a hacker to dox people. I just have one question. Is this your God? And on a serious note, going back to what we said earlier, are the 300 pedophile arrests he contributed to still grabbing the karmic check on all these incidents for you? Has he run out yet? I assume the answer will be different for many. Either way, Hansen had to know that he had pretty much got himself knee deep in proverbial shit because as his most recent live stream as of this recording on August 5th, Hansen did another major Q&A where he addressed the myriad of accusations and criticisms being lobbed at him. He reiterated that he doesn't know who anonymous Gene is, doesn't support doxing, and if he knew Gene, he'd tell him to stop. But can he tell him to stop without personally knowing him? If Gene is so reverent towards him, can he just say, hey, please don't do that anymore without actually knowing his identity? He also addresses claims that he's personally involved with several YouTubers that are notable critics getting their Twitter accounts suspended, saying that they are completely false. What he's referring to is that a handful of YouTubers, including the aforementioned John Swan, had their accounts completely shut down on Twitter, and it was speculated that Hansen was somehow involved in getting the accounts suspended. He goes on to say that he doesn't have any inside influence at Twitter, but remember when we said that it wasn't quite the end of the story for perverted justice? Well, one of the key members, notable decoy and frequent on-screen presence for perverted justice during the TCAP days, Del Harvey, ended up going on to become the head of community and standards at Twitter. Yeah, she's literally the one in charge of suspending people's Twitter accounts and making judgment calls on what does or doesn't constitute good conduct on the platform.
2: I think we need to just drill down into this for a second. The person with short hair... Who was in like a shitload of to catch a predator episodes who would always be standing in the kitchen when the predators would come in and they, sh- the person would yell in kind of like a high, higher tone voice like, I'm in here, come in here, whatever. Hey. That person who was in a shitload of those episodes is now the head of community and standards at Twitter. That is the strangest piece of this whole story to me. That is so fucking bizarre that's like if you told me that like somebody from g4 back in the 2000s was now like obama's chief of staff or some shit like that you know what i mean like it was it's so weird the the weirdest part is like i have seen probably two or three episodes of to catch a predator but i know that person i know
0: the she has a very distinctive face and look to her okay fine Just because she works there doesn't mean that she'd sacrifice her job, her ethics, and her reputation just to help out her old colleague, Chris Hansen, right? What if I told you that Del Harvey is literally being investigated for corruption as we speak for suspending Twitter accounts as a personal favor for a friend? There is currently a scandal going on with Twitter where a Twitter account named Spazio, is going around accusing various large Twitter accounts of using inauthentic tactics to grow their Twitter followings and then within 24 hours the account is suddenly suspended and after doing some digging watchdogs discovered that Spazio seemed to actually know Del Harvey in real life and is friends with her this story is real weird there's a lot of detail to this that can't really be like quickly sum- summarized this account number 1 this 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 whole thing is so strange and like what the fuck are you doing with your life This account goes around and finds these large Twitter pages that this person perceives that they must have grown their Twitter page in some kind of cheating way because there's no possible way that this Twitter account could have grown this big in this short amount of time or that this Twitter account with this few followers has this tweet that has so many retweets and that they must have used some kind of illegal against policy cheating tactic to do this. And first of all, I happen to know that that's just not true or this person just doesn't know what the fuck they're talking about. I mean, there are pages that do like buy followers and use all these weird backend tactics to like grow pages and things like that. But it's not out of the ordinary or impossible for a page to go randomly viral and have a tweet that has hundreds of thousands of retweets, but the page only has a couple thousand followers. And I I know that for a fact, because literally I have a friend who recently had a tweet go mega viral. It has almost a million likes. It has like hundreds of thousands of retweets. And this tweet just went viral out of nowhere. And her, her page wasn't nothing beforehand. Like she had A couple thousand followers and, you know, she would do tweets and they could they could do well. But this happened out of nowhere. It went massively viral. It's been talked about on TV shows. Every like BuzzFeed Refinery29 news site has done an article about it. Mariah Carey retweeted it and then her retweet of it also went viral and also created a story around it. And her page only went from like 6,000 followers to 9,000 followers. So this person could, in theory, see my friend's page and be like, you paid for followers. You're doing this illegal thing because they don't they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. But they'll go onto these pages and they'll comment and they'll be like, you used inauthentic tactics to grow your page. And you're going to be found out and stopped because you are doing something illegal and against policy and Number one, it's so weird to me that this person is obsessed with this. Like, if you, if you go and look at these tweets and these comments that they're leaving, like, what do you care? What, like, what, why are you so obsessed with this? It's so weird to me because this is not some worthy social justice cause. If this person was going around, like, calling out people for creeping on underage girls online or spreading misinformation or saying racist stuff or whatever, but to become like this weird, obsessed gatekeeper for calling people out for buying followers? Why do you care about that? That's so weird to be a concerned citizen about whether people are buying followers or not. But they go and they comment on all these pages, they'll they'll comment this thing calling them out. And then within 24 hours, the page will get deleted. And and then they ended up basically finding out that through a series of looking at all these different accounts and things like that, that He seems to be friends with Del Harvey. So now there's this investigation into whether or not she's abusing her power in her position to basically just do personal favors for this guy and suspend accounts that he personally is suspicious are doing something illegal. So it's not so hard to believe that she'd do something similar for Chris Hansen, is it? There's a lot about this Q&A that rings disingenuous. As YouTuber and one of Hansen's notable critics, Edwin Costa, pointed out in his response video to the Q&A.
5: I hate how distracting it is. Some people criticize that, oh, stop focusing on Chris Hansen. It's like, the reason why I focus on Chris Hansen is because he makes it about himself. If you don't see it, that just doesn't make any sense because if he didn't make it about himself, people would not be talking about him. Why are people talking about him more than they are talking about the issue? Is, is it really the people's fault or is it his fault? One of my big criticisms on Chris is like, what what is it? What is it? What is it, what, is, what is the objective here? Because not only do I not know but your, your interviewees also don't know, you know? It's been expressed that besides getting exposure, which they're not remembered for or at least not their stories, what's really happening? They're not getting the resources you promised them. They're not getting the justice you promised them. So what are you doing?
0: And YouTube body language and behavior expert, Derek Van Schaik, also goes into detail about the manipulation tactics that Hansen employs.
6: What Chris Hansen was doing throughout most of his Q&A that you saw was deflecting and amplifying. That's very common of someone who is deceitful. It's also very, very effective. The reason why it's just so effective is because the subject doesn't really have to lie that much. Because all they have to do is amplify the allegations, take the most extreme version of the allegation, and tell the truth that that's not true. And that's what Chris Hansen was doing
1: a lot. Amplifying the claims. Tried to make this look like somehow I backed Pablo Escobar.
6: Denying those amplified claims to come across as more truthful. That
1: couldn't be farther from the truth.
6: And then going and deflecting
1: i covered the cocaine wars in the 80s and 90s i was in the jungles of Bolivia with the dea raiding cocaine labs
6: it's very very effective for someone who is deceitful and you may be wondering why would someone go through that instead of just telling a bold-faced lie it's because lying is very difficult it's very stressful it's very dangerous um and it's very uncomfortable and everything else around that right a lot of anxiety a lot of fear like it's just not fun to lie it's a lot easier to tell the truth so if you can easily go and amplify and then deny those amplified allegations you're in a lot better position to come across as more truthful until you have people calling you out and saying hey that wasn't the question i asked you chris hansen was in an ideal position where he was in complete control over what questions he decided to answer or not answer because the questions were coming in and he can just take the most Extreme question, the most outrageous question, over the top. See, that's the thing. He was not being interviewed one-on-one. He was picking and choosing the questions that he chose to answer.
0: And that's that's pretty much just what he always does. His whole YouTube phase of his career or in any of his dealings with any of these stories, he gets away with his utter incompetence by doing exactly what he describes there where he will take all of these criticisms he'll act like he's responding to them or he's act he'll act like he is willing to hear the criticisms and he'll do like live streams where he's actually having people commenting and he's responding to the comments but he'll only seek out the comments that have the most egregious over-the-top accusations and he'll respond to those and be like no it's ridiculous i i'm not i'm not supporting Pablo Escobar. And it's like, that's not the problem. Nobody's saying you're supporting Pablo Escobar. We're saying that you accepted $50 to endorse a scam phishing product created by a mass murderer brother of Pablo Escobar. But he won't respond to that nuanced version of the question. He'll just say like, I don't back Pablo Escobar. I covered the cocaine epidemic in the 80s and took down a drug ring. He does that with everything. Everything is like that. Since the Q&A, there haven't been a ton of new developments in this weird-ass story of a once-revered journalist-turned-incompetent old man, mister Magooing his way around in the lives of a bunch of childhood assault survivors, trying to make enough money to make the payment on his boat. Apparently, his current girlfriend is actively cyber-stalking some of these assault survivors and bullying them, so, you know... That's cool.
4: So yesterday I was on John Swan's live stream, you know, just like hanging out, just watching it, which was completely irrelevant to Chris Hansen. Like nobody was talking about him whatsoever. And the minute I got in there, this person, like G News, they posted like three different random things. Like I hadn't even talked. And I think I said like one thing in the beginning of the stream. And then this was like 20 minutes in and they started going on about. Like, I know why victims don't want to talk to Ashley because they're mad at her and I don't blame them or something like that. And I was like, wait, what? That's like,
6: definitely 100% anonymous, Gene. The G yeah. News gave it away. And then after all the creepy messages and like knowing extra information, there's no way that's not Gene.
4: Well, they that's were typing better than weird. he does. Like they were making like tangible sentences. <laughs>
6: yeah.
0: So they so at, the, at this time, they didn't know who this was. That was... Literally going into an unrelated stream and like harassing her and criticizing her. They they kind of thought it was anonymous gene at the time, but it turned out that it was Chris Hansen's fiance that was just taking it upon herself to go into these things and call out somebody who was sexually assaulted by a pedophile and just trying to find justice for herself and other women who experienced the same thing. And while there really isn't much of a concrete end to this bizarre saga, at least not yet, it all once again comes full circle back to the questions asked in the beginning of episode one. What have the nature of Chris Hansen's motives ever been? Was he ever in this to help people? Or was he always just there for the fame and the paycheck, but he just used to be better at hiding it? Is his current incompetence just a result of his old age catching up with him, not being as sharp as he used to be? Or is it the apathy of someone who isn't really emotionally invested in these stories like he might have once been, because he's so consumed by the abject sadness of his personal life? Can we view the man in the entirety of his life and, like some kind of moral Dr. Manhattan, view the thread of his life as a circle with no beginning, middle, or end, just disconnected moments? And in weighing each of these moments equally and not waiting one over the other based on their existence and time, are the good things he's done enough to balance out the bad? Is he still a redeemable problematic fave? Or has he truly morphed into something that we should reject because of the damage he has caused these young women in his pursuit of relevance? Can anything he's done be classified as truly selfless, knowing everything we've just spent God knows how many hours learning? And if not, does it matter? Does the impact of the man... Render the intentions of the man irrelevant. I honestly want to like Chris Hansen, despite everything, but anytime I start to rationalize his actions, I think about that laptop, the evidence that could have potentially had that guy behind bars by now, the disappointment in Ashley's eyes when she talks about how she had believed Hansen would help her get an FBI case going. It's hard to reconcile that, even against 300 confirmed predator arrests. And you know, I've seen some criticism from listeners calling out the hypocrisy that we are saying that Chris Hansen is exploiting these stories for profit, but that we ourselves are also exploiting these stories for profit by the very act of doing these podcast episodes. And there probably is some hypocrisy there. And what I mean by that is being on this side of things and taking an objective step back, I can see how Hansen would get so caught up in telling the story that he might lose sight of how his actions affect things. When you get so fixated on one singular goal, one path in front of you, and the further you go in quest for it, the more you double and triple down, the more things in your periphery begin to fall away and you become blind to them. You can even see that in the way that I inadvertently use dead naming language in my obsessive quest to lay out the timeline of events in the Onision case in a very clear and concise way in episode 2. If you can consider us a part of the media complex, there's much to be said about the media's role in these cases and where the line is between advocacy and exploitation. When a serial killer is at large, is the media advocating for the victims by blasting the killer's face all over every screen in the country? Or are they exploiting a tragedy for views and in the process giving the killer exactly what they wanted, attention? This is literally the question that I hoped this entire three episode podcast series would cause you to ask yourself. And we are not above that scrutiny either. Aside from the fact that I'd love to live in the reality where we're actually profiting off of this podcast and not actively losing money investing in it, I'd like to think that the difference between what we're doing and what Chris Hansen is doing is that we're being more conscious of our role in the bigger picture. We're trying to let the subjects of our stories speak for themselves rather than speak for them. Even if that means serving as mouthpieces for them when we don't actually have access to an exclusive interview. And clearly drawing the line between fact and our opinion. And that we're being honest about our level of expertise and the amount of help we can bring to the table, which is low key very little, we're straight up just two idiots who like to tell stories. That we wouldn't tell a sexual assault victim that we could help them get their evidence to the FBI in order to make people feel like we're important hotshots and then literally make it inadmissible in court through our own incompetence. But the truth is, I don't really know if what we do is any different. It's truly bizarre that we as a species take trauma and pain and human suffering and synthesize it into TV shows, movies and podcasts. I think at one point it was just an information delivery system, but as news, reporting and media slowly became more and more interconnected with commerce, business and somehow entertainment, I think we all slowly lost track of why we truly do this. I don't think anybody knows anymore. I thought about that over and over again as we researched, wrote, recorded, and edited this. And I think about it with every single episode we've produced since. I think about our role in the ripple effect of human pain and conflict. I think about why we do this. I think about the fact that I might be completely up my own ass thinking our show is even a tiny blip on the radar. But mostly, I just think about how we paid Chris Hansen $50 to call himself a
3: con man. Do do demon humming songs that he only knows from his planet that humans don't recognize. Oh hey Dave, uh, do you by any chance happen to have any more of those uh pixie box book things that you make or whatever? Hey Hillsmer,
2: uh, you mean comics?
3: Yeah, yeah, something like that.
2: Uh, Well, I don't have any with me right now, but I do have two new comic book series that are starting up. Uh, I wrote a Star Trek series, Star Trek Voyager 7's Reckoning, which comes out November 11th. And the way the comic book industry works is that you have to pre-order comics in order to make sure that the stores order enough. If you wanted to pre-order it, you would go to a comic book store or go online and use the code SEP200455. I also have a create your own series coming out November 25th called Night Hunters with artist Alexis Zirut, which is about two brothers in Grand Caracas, 100 years in the future, one of which becomes a cop, one of which becomes a drug dealer, and they have to fight their way through the seedy underbelly of the dystopian Venezuelan police state, which you could pre-order with the code scp 201264. 264
3: Yeah, 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 yeah. Great, 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 great. Cool, cool, cool. That uh, sounds amazing. Love it. Love everything that every word that you just said. Uh, I'll, I'll take whatever. Fifty.
2: Really? Wow! I didn't know. Uh, I didn't know you read comics, Hilsmer.
3: Oh, you're supposed to read them. There's a thing about space demons where, when it's the summertime, we actually get very cold instead of hot. So I was actually just looking for some kind of kindling for the fire in the living room.
2: Oh, that explains what that bonfire was. That was a sex thing. <laughs> So I have a bunch of thoughts, but the main thing that I want to talk about with that last section is there's something really dystopian to me and really bizarre and interesting on an anthropological level and then also deeply sad that there are entire ecosystems of people that have their own pseudo-TV shows that are about beefing with each other over who is trying to stop his pedophile these various pedophile situations like it's really really weird to me
0: yeah it kind of reminds me of the the talking head panels in the dark knight returns totally those like those like those like you know those grid the grid panels where it's just all these different like super dystopian just little snippets of random news coverage and weird talking head moments going on
2: yeah and especially when like it's dark what what Chris Hansen is doing no no doubt about it it's really weird and shitty and but it's also really weird that everyone else is also doing it too to a certain extent because like we have actual law enforcement agencies that are supposed to be doing this and granted obviously we know that the the we know that the police and the government doesn't always work for the individual but it's it's so bleak to me that there's this entire ecosystem of people who are so either A. underserved or B. don't feel that they're being served by the justice system that they need to turn it into a mini sideshow both for their own entertainment to ex- ex- to excise their own obsession and also to attempt to shed light on this thing that isn't being acknowledged <sighs>
0: Yeah, and, and that's kind of what I wanted to talk about. Um, I mean, you know, the, there, there's there's a couple layers to that. The first layer of it is Chris Hansen is doing all these things. The way that I co- sort of described it is him Mr. Magooing it around through this community that he doesn't really fit into. And he's doing everything really poorly. And up to a certain point, you could just say like, oh, he just sucks at trying to do this. But then he crosses that line and actually gets into a situation where he is actually causing damage and that's where it becomes the most egregious and you know honest honestly like all that stuff up in the front like him cheating on his wife i don't really care about that even the stuff even the thing where the guy committed suicide like it's exploitative that he wanted to go and film it but like he didn't make him commit suicide he got he committed suicide because he got caught being a pedophile and he couldn't handle being brought to justice or the humiliation of it or whatever. Like there's not a lot in that early stage of things that to me is like some damning thing. It's all, it's all just really gray. It's a lot of, it's a lot of grayness and a lot of like, Oh, like, I don't know if how, I don't know what, what the, I don't know how to navigate this ethically. That's the part where it's like, this is too, this is over the line. Like you have, you have sort of caused damage in a little bit of an unforgivable way, or at least a way that makes me, you know, not be able to side with you or subscribe to you.
2: Yeah, but it's even further than that, though, because it's, I mean, yes, I agree with everything you're saying that he's weird and obviously exploiting these situations for his own personal gain. 100%. That's one discussion. Zooming out one layer looking at the fact that there's a whole ecosystem of digital vigilantes doing the exact same thing and potentially causing real harm to people, like, that's the thing that's really strange to me. Well, that's
0: that, that's what I was going to say is, like, the one layer is that, is the Chris Hansen thing. But then there's another layer where, as I was, like, delving deep into the story and just watching hours and hours of, and honestly, like, I did not know what I was getting into covering a story that has unfolded in like the age of social media. Like we haven't done a story like that yet. And I just did not know what I was getting into. So I have watched so much content. And also another interesting thing about it is episode, episode one, all that research, it all took place within news articles, reading news articles. All of that research came from reading old news articles. And some of it was watching old footage from news c- clips and things like that. Episode two and three, n- literally no writing exists about that. There is nothing written. There's no, there are no typed words that tell any of that story. My script for this episode is the only place where this story is written down somewhere. All of this stuff exists on YouTube in vlog videos. Um, and so in delving into this story and the research of it, watching all these hours of all these videos, I got, I got really into it and I, and I sort of wanted to take a step back and be like, man, like I, I need to take a step back from this and like reassess where I feel like I'm landing on this, the compass of this, because I don't, I, I feel like I maybe have gone Too far down some rabbit hole here. So Chris Hansen's calling these, calling these people drama YouTubers. And he's sort of saying in a very critical way. And he refers to them as the Goon Squad. All of these, all these YouTubers who are calling him out. And they have this adversarial relationship with them where they're just like, this guy sucks. He's doing all these things wrong. We're doing it right. We are the morally superior people in this situation. We are the real advocates. We are doing this right. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's trying to. He's trying to insert himself into this community that he just doesn't belong in. And I'm looking at it from another perspective, and kind of saying like, Chris Hansen is undoubtedly doing this way shittier than anybody else is doing. But shaggy to dope. <laughs> but I mean that he's doing that way better than anyone else is doing. Um, but you guys, this. This community of people that just make, do these live streams, they act like they're actually being selfless and altruistic and that Chris Hansen is not and he's doing it for views. You have a YouTube channel that you make content for to grow an audience. Like you're doing it for views too. Like you, you, you just are like, and even whenever they demonetize videos or donate revenue to charities or whatever you missed out on like 300 bucks or something like that or even less you missed out on 50 bucks because of how shitty you know that's
2: a that's a that's a chris hansen cameo
0: oh yeah never mind that's yeah i i'm gonna go do a live stream right now
2: but also there's just so much weird there's also just so much weird stuff around like anonymous gene in air quotes like He's not actually anonymous related. He's just a guy who like has whatever hacking skill he has. And he's like, I don't know, meh, do some stuff. Like all of these people are kind of like busybody E, you know what I mean? They're all like, now look, there, it, there's obviously there are people who've been wronged and there are victims and I want justice for them. And I don't like my heart breaks for that girl who had those photos that Chris Hansen's Presence contaminated and now means that that can't be pursued further. That sucks. I don't want anyone to be hurt. I want people to be held accountable for their actions if they've hurt someone. But the sports commentator, amateur hour, vlogger sphere of people who are all like, we're journalists. Like, are you, are you though? And there's, I don't know. So
0: I specifically wanted to say something about that. So on this topic on what i was just saying and then directly dovetailing off of what you just said one of these things i watched i was watching a i was watching a live stream that was a live reaction to the a q and a video that chris hansen did and it was by john swan who is this guy who made this two part exposé on chris hansen that goes through all of the stuff of like the Kickstarter campaign and screwing people over and ruining cases and things like that. Um, and he made this video. He got on Chris Hansen's radar who said some critical things of him, dubbed him as like the king of the goon squad or whatever. Anonymous Gene doxed him. He got into some kind of legal thing where he contacted the police about it and is currently in some kind of legal situation trying to like, find out who anonymous gene is and sue him for doxing him and all these things but he did this live stream with a bunch of his other friends who are just all these other people in this community and at some point in this live stream they're reacting to Chris in his video Chris Hansen in his video saying something to the effect of I'm a real journalist and these people are not real journalists and they sort of like scoff at that and they're just like he says, he says that p- these people aren't real journalists. And like, you know, th- this person has like told me that they've read a bunch of stuff about like journalistic ethics and all these things like that. And they scoff at the idea of Chris Hansen saying that he's a real journalist and they're not real journalists. But he is a real journalist and they're not real journalists. They're just a bunch of kids with YouTube channels. They're not real journalists. And to have that blind spot, that kind of opened my eyes a little bit because i was so deep into this i was like totally on board with these people i was like i was using them as my true north in this story and i was watching this live stream and i kind of realized in this moment the blind spot that these kids had where they've gotten so
2: bro did you get did you get radicalized are you officially like a a hansonite
0: no i i'm i mean i i'm just i i i realized that I, that I was not, that it was not wise of me to use these other YouTubers who are critical of them as a, as a true North, because there are these like 22 year old kids who have YouTube channels that are completely based around. I do an hour long videos talking about how problematic Shane Dawson is and they have gotten it into their heads that they are like, the gonzo journalists of the internet age and to scoff at the idea of Chris Hansen saying you are not a classically trained journalist who understands all of the, you know, deeply established code of ethics that journalists need to follow in order to deliver fair and balanced news. Obviously, Chris Hansen has violated those things and he is not a good example, but he's still right. These are just kids that do not know how to properly objectively report on the story. And that's
2: that's one of the things that I was thinking when you were playing all the videos, the reaction videos to the Q and a is that it felt like high school. Like I felt like physically like, Oh God, this is so high school. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, it totally is. It's, and it's, it is. It's just like, it's a weird, I mean, they've been doing this since the pandemic or since before the pandemic, but especially since the pandemic, It's like all these people, there's these people all over the country, all over the world, just sitting in their apartments, communicating with each other over live streams, and just living out a weird social ecosystem that is very akin to high school. But it's all just people sitting in their apartments in front of a computer.
2: But it's digital high school centered around cries for justice against people who were sexually assaulted. Yeah. Which is, it's so bleak. It's so bleak.
0: Yeah. Which is why I wanted to talk about that. I wanted to talk about the YouTubers and their role in it because um, I think that they position themselves very specifically as like, we are doing this right. And Chris Hansen sucks and he's doing this wrong and he needs to get out of our community. And in that, they're, they're right in a way. They They are doing it better than he is and he does suck at it. But in that mental process, they've developed a blind spot where they kind of are not self-aware of, like you said, how kind of weirdly dystopian what they're doing is. The fact that there's like this, this network of people who all just like have their own takes on some weird sexual assault story and it's become like this weird cinematic universe Of people sitting in their apartments giving their take on a horrific crime that's 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 been done to some victim. Uh, So yeah, I mean, yeah. So you know that everything about this is super ethically gray and hard to reconcile and hard to really parse out what you feel about anything specifically without turning over in your mind several times trying to like get to the root of your perspective on it. Whether it's that or, you know, just to go back, you know, like I want to go back to the, the discussion of To Catch a Predator and the fact that people watch that show and are very entertained by it. I mean, we kind of covered that a little bit, but, you know, I just to reiterate what I said before, like with this show, I never watched it. I'm aware of it. I know who Chris Hansen is. I'm aware of it as a meme, basically, and I've seen clips from it to varying degrees over the years. I know what the format is. I know how the show works. And I've seen some of the most famous ones. Um, But for me, my feelings on it have always been like, I'm glad that all these pedophiles got arrested, but I have no interest in watching this weird Coliseum spectacle. It feels weird.
2: Yeah, it's very weird, but it is so compelling. Like when you were playing those clips, I was like, riveted
0: yeah because who who wouldn't be that's what i going back to what i talked about before of like how it's the perfect show who wouldn't be it's like the it's it's it is a universally agreed upon enemy and a universally agreed upon evil and the way that they've formatted is so perfect where you get you get a little taste of the anger and the disgust and then you immediately see them confronted shamed um humiliated and then arrested and it's got a little humor in it it's like the perfect thing so you, if you watch it you will get sucked into it
2: yeah I, I i don't like reality tv i don't i just don't having worked on a couple tv shows and stuff like anytime
0: what about bacon and legs the Writer strike years
2: <laughs> oh yeah th- those were rough i kind of liked those but they were rough um you know, having worked on a couple shows and knowing how those editing processes work.
0: Oh yeah, I've really... I've edited reality TV and it's fucking horrible.
2: Yeah, like when a little while ago when that Love Island show came out, somebody tried to get me to watch a couple minutes of it and they were interviewing somebody and they were using footage. That they were trying to paint the the specific contestant as being dumb. So what they did is they asked the person a question that was a very simple question, like, have you ever had sex before? Or have you ever been in love before? Or something like that. That's a personal question that someone wouldn't want to answer necessarily. But, you know, the people in the show, they're supposed to be an open book or whatever. So they get asked this kind of probing question or, you know, whatever. They get asked a question where you're, there is a definitive answer that you're supposed to come back with. And then the soundtrack kind of turns into the like, ba-da-da-da-da, like silly music to play under when someone's dumb. And then they put footage of that person sitting there not talking, making them look like they couldn't think of an answer to Mm -hmm. give that that wouldn't shame them. The issue being, if you look at the person's eyes, they're like tracking back and forth, listening to someone, ask them a question. So that means the producers took footage that was not the direct response to that question and used that footage to make this person seem really stupid. And I guess that's what you sign up for when you go on reality TV show. But those, those decisions of how the crystalline castle of reality TV is constructed is so apparent to me because I've worked on stuff like that before that it drives me crazy. And I can't I can't not see the kayfabe. Like, there was one job I had where it was, it was honestly, it was one of the worst days I've, I don't want to say in my entire life, but it was goddamn close. It was really bad. And I did some serious soul searching after I left. I was working on a, I was working on a show that was a Lifetime original show that was a, it was a show called Preacher's Daughter. And it was basically a show, it was a reality TV show where you follow four families, each family, the father, the matriarch, or the patriarch of the family is a preacher, various sects, and they all have rebellious daughters who want to do something that doesn't conform to the family's faith. One of the women wanted to be a uh, a porn actress, one of the women wanted to have a child out of wedlock. Um, and I don't remember what the other two women wanted but they wanted things that were whatever she wanted to be a stripper or she wanted to do something that would be societally looked down on from a conservative point of view and we were shooting a commercial where it was an interior set of a house and they had all of the families there and they brought these various 17, 18, 19, 20 year old women however old they were into this house set, they put them in a chair in, a, in the kitchen, and then they had their parents come in and yell at them for 20 minutes. And they were using these, they were using this setup as the commercial, where it was like, you the viewer are going to simultaneously be entertained by A, how weird and conservative and controlling the fathers are, and B, you're going to get off on seeing these girls get hurt. You're going to you know, the drama, the conflict of how could this person want to be an adult actress when they could have this other life. And, you know, it's literally the, I mean, they're not actors. It's that that young woman's actual father sat there and screamed slut at her for 20 minutes. It was awful. It was awful. And I almost quit like three or four times and I didn't end up coming back after that. I, I worked that whole day and then I just couldn't, I just couldn't do it anymore. I was like, this is fucking awful. Like this is actively cancerous for the culture.
0: You did take an EP credit though.
2: I did. Yeah. I was uh, executive produced David Bakes. Um, but I feel very similarly about multiple aspects of this Chris Hansen thing where there's so much, pain that's being mined for entertainment. Now look, these pedophiles who tried to do wrong and then they got caught and arrested, I don't I don't have a moral quandary with seeing somebody that was trying to fuck a kid squirm. Like that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about all this other stuff of like this guy committing suicide and them airing the footage, all of this weird ecosystem of people theatrically performatively grieving and calling for accountability in this bizarre dance of just existential grief. Like, it's so sad to me that, like, I mean, I don't know what's worse. Ignoring these things? Like, they're not happening? Like, of course I want these people to be brought to justice. Of course I want victims to have their day in court and to feel vindicated and feel seen and feel heard and supported. Of course I want that.
0: Yeah. But just set up the stings, lure in the pedophiles, arrest them and don't make a TV show about it.
2: Or, or this YouTube stuff that's happening now where it's just like people's whole identities are wrapped up in the conspiracy theories around this, this awful trauma. In some ways, it's kind of like mini, it's like the lifespan of a star, you know, where they, they you know, it waxes and wanes, you know, and it, it's, you know, it's a red dwarf, it's a and like, it, it's, it's almost kind of like the modern day digital equivalent of the Manson trials, where it was like Charles Manson did this thing, it rever- reverberated throughout the culture, everybody discussed it, dissected it. Was obsessed with it. It defined the American experience for an extended period of time. And then collectively, we somehow moved on from the grief of Sharon Tate's murder. And we, the world moves on, and we did what we had to do. I'm, I, you know, we, we collectively were like, oh my God, this is awful. The world will never be the same. We pulled our hair out. And honestly, culture is different because of Charles Manson and the Sharon Tate murders and everything that happened from Helter Skelter all of that stuff. But there's like many versions of that now. That same story is this story where it's there's this awful crime. We can't comprehend that these people haven't been brought to justice. We're going to collectively grieve in this theatrical way. But on YouTube, in an ecosystem of 400 people, like it's so weird.
0: With all this drama where it's like, Oh, this person, you know, they did some videos and they were they were good videos and they interviewed these people and they were good. But then they in a different video, they said something weird. And then now, like, they're problematic. And then one of the one of the victims was originally, you know, they were one of the first victims to come forward, and they were going on these shows and talking, but then they kind of broke off from the other victims, and they started doing problematic things, and now, even though she was a victim of this person, like, now she's a bad guy. And I just
2: just can't even handle all this shit. Like, it's just, it's scene politics. It happens in music. It happens in comics. It happens in the punk scene. it's, It's everywhere. It's that weird, like, Look at me, I'm king of the hill. I'm the best, I know the answers. And then you get toppled over and there's another person that looks exactly like you saying the same goddamn thing. Like, it just, I don't have any time for that drama. I I don't want it in my life. I just, that approach to existence is just antithetical to the way that I live. Um, And, look, if you want to spend your time doing that stuff, more power to you. But it's also really dangerous to me that all of these people are winding themselves up into this fervor that where people are getting doxxed. People are assuming that users are other users using pseudonyms and fake accounts. And it's just a matter of time before that stuff spills into the real world and people get really hurt and people are framed because the, my worldview is correct. I've spent 400 hours on YouTube talking about this. I will make reality conform to what I think is true, and it's just really, really dark to me. Really scary.
0: Yeah, and I, I think the, the the things that I think are like, in my opinion, the things that are sort of valid to cover in that way um, is like the the fact that Chris Hansen did these things. Like that's what you make a video about. Like you, like you make a video about like this. Chris Hansen, this To Catch a Predator guy, like he's he's doing this weird shit and interviewing people and like being exploitative. Like that's the thing that you make a video about, because that's a that's something that actually needs to be brought to light and 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 sort of be. Use a platform to show that to people, but building an entire brand off of like this one person's like sexual assault story is so weird.
2: I'm Dave Baker. And I'm Andrew Price. This has been Deep Cuts. You can find me online at heydavebaker.com, where hopefully I will not have been doxxed for taking part in this video. You can find comics like Fuck Off Squad and Action Hospital. Andrew, where can they find you on the internet?
0: You can find me doing another call-out video on my massively successful commentary YouTube channel. And you can also find me at dapricerights.com, where you can... Get my book, uh, Deadbolt, AI, Private Eye.
2: I like that you forgot the name of your book. I, and- we
0: have literally, we recorded a three hour podcast last night. I did another podcast earlier today and we have literally put in an eight hour shift <laughs> on this podcast.
2: <laughs> yeah, dude.
0: My, my, I now, my inner dial, my inner monologue is just Chris Hansen's voice.
2: I'm Chris Anchin. Welcome to Deep Cut.
0: Once you get off this call with Dave, you're gonna eat the leftover potato salad that you left on the nightstand.
2: Fuck it. Let's call it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Jesus.
2: Eight Ow. Wow.
0: Cuts is a production by Boy Genius Media. If you'd like to find this show and others like
2: it, please visit BoyGeniusMedia.com or DeepCutsPod.com. If you want to join in on post-episode discussions, please join the Deep Cuts Podcast Facebook group. Finally, subscribe to our YouTube channel for additional video content.
0: The incidental music for this episode was created by D Catalano, whose music can be found at we keep odd WeKeepOddHours.BandCamp.com and Pseudocide, who can be found on Facebook at P-S-E-U-D-O-C-I-D-E. With spaces between each letter, because apparently Facebook doesn't like the use of the Latin stem side, and the dead boy detectives,
2: who...
3: Welcome back, all you florkborks and rod jockers out there to Hillsmer's Pirate Radio Station. Exclusive ha new mix. The only shortwave radio station on Earth playing exclusively the top 40 hits from my home planet. The name of which cannot be uttered in the English language without prematurely inducing the coming of Ragnarok. Brand new Banger. banger. And if you don't like it, you can take a long hard look at a big old sloppy pair of squamp chomps. Uh-oh. This DJ is breaking all the knobs off. I'm gonna have the PC police busting on the studio door after that one. <coughs> if you snowflakes can't handle real talk, you know where the dial is. Maybe Delilah is hot. Oh, no, he didn't. It's the witching hour, and up next, we're gonna spin the hottest track from
1: Hot Shit. Hot Shit. Here it
3: comes. The Dead Boy Detectives? The hell is this? Are Andrew and Dave messing around with my record collection again? I can't play this earth bullshit on Hillsborough's pirate radio station. Eh. Fuck it. It can't be that bad. Yesterday, I knew you were dead. When will we forget you again? We were
1: i uh-huh.